The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, visit participate.com slash oneducation. Not quite there yet. Great job. That's not feedback. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Eric Schinninger is an associate partner with the International Center for Leadership and Education. Prior to this, he was the award-winning principal at New Milford High School. And under his leadership, his school became a globally recognized model for innovative practices. His work focuses on leading and learning in the digital age as a model for moving schools and districts forward. This has led to the formation of the Pillars of Digital Leadership, a framework for all educators to initiate sustainable change to transform school cultures. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Great to be here, Glenn. Um, So Eric, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with you and your work in education, can you give us an introduction? Sure. Yeah. I was the person that swore I would never go into education. Uh, My father (laughs) was a principal. My mother was an elementary teacher. And I'm like, yeah, not for me, but uh, we all have our epiphanies. And uh, I had mine when I was a graduate teaching assistant uh, out in really far out Western Maryland. And then I became a a science teacher. And, uh, you know, uh, I loved it. I coached a few sports, but then I wanted to do more for kids. So I really wanted to go into administration. And that's when I uh, found my way to the New Milford School District uh, in northeastern New Jersey. And when I was there, first couple of years, I was just pretty much like every other principal, uh, <laughs> following the status quo. And uh, in 2009, the two professional life-changing events for me, a student telling me school is like a jail and getting on Twitter. Those yes. two converging <laughs> experiences made me rethink my role and really what I could do to create a school that worked better for kids as opposed to one that worked great for the adults. So we started doing some amazing things. We improved achievement in the process, got a lot of notoriety across the country, across the world. And then I uh, was asked to come join the International Center after declining them at first. Here I am six years later. <laughs> That's an interesting uh take that's moved you as far as a student saying that school is like jail? Because I have heard that before. I mean, obviously from, uh, I taught high school Spanish and then now I'm an instructional coach. And that is a common (laughs) statement. And there's a lot of unfortunate similarities to the procedures and the way that, that we run schools that are very similar only in incarceration, uh, which is it's disappointing in a way. Uh, what are some of the things that you that you like took from that, though? As far well, as like, you know, yeah. I, I took many things. Uh, you know, one, if we really want to know how well we're doing, we have to ask our students and do it in ways where they're going to be honest with us. And, and we have to look at that as valuable feedback and not criticism. And we have to also have to ask, how do we feel as adults? about 
rules, policies, and procedures that don't make much sense to us. So I really think it's about putting ourselves, uh, looking through an empathetic lens and putting ourselves in the shoes of those who are serving, which is our learners, and you know, ask ourselves if how we would react under the same conditions. And, you know, back when we all went to school, we conformed, we complied, we didn't know any better because we didn't have the internet and we didn't live in a knowledge economy. But now information is there. Uh, people can go and learn about anything they want. So the whole idea is to create an experience in our schools where kids see and feel the value, uh, value from it. If they're just doing school, uh, it's just not going to cut it. So the whole idea is to create these experiences where kids see the connection to not only what they might want to pursue in uh, college, but also connection to careers, which, based upon where we are now, are dramatically changing. Absolutely. So many of our listeners, uh, which are educators mostly, but we have administrators also too, and some other types of roles like mine, instructional coaches, they're in a distance learning model throughout the country. And at, a, at this moment are trying to figure out how do we best do that? Um, and everyone I speak to is exhausted. I mean, everyone talks about that, how, how it's taking a toll that has, has never been, they've never felt this. Um, and many are turning to using more direct instruction than they ever would have in a face-to-face -face setting for many reasons. But you wrote a blog post recently about finding a balance. And I actually, when I first saw the title, I thought it was going to be about something else. Um, but what are some ways for teachers to, to achieve lesson balance? And that's what the article kind of talks about and walks us through, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, when we look at the how we get better, you know, there's the comfort zone. And, uh, you know, if we're comfortable, we don't really, really want to change. Then there's the fear zone. But in order to get to the learning and the growth zone, we have to first look at are we comfortable where we are or are we afraid of taking those risks and getting to where, where we might want to be. And as we think about where we are right now as a result of COVID-19, it's not comfort. Many people are afraid and we revert back to what we are comfortable with and what we can control. So in a distance, remote, or even a hybrid, you know, environment where we might be balancing face-to-face -face and remote learners, we can control what we do as the adult. And that happens to be direct instruction. And I know full well how that is because when I left the principalship, in 2014, I, I was never trained to be a speaker, so I did what I was comfortable with. I spoke to people, and I thought I was good at it because people kept hiring me. Uh, and it wasn't until I got some feedback on Twitter that basically said, you're horrible. You know, this isn't model good pedagogy. So, And they were right. So, so I think when we, we talk about advice for teachers is you got to determine what that balance could be because you as the adult don't like to be talked at, especially for an extended period of time. So think about how, yes, we're still going to facilitate content. I don't like the word deliver. Uh, a colleague of mine, Chris Lehman, out of the Science Leadership Academy in Pennsylvania said, you know, we don't deliver instruction. I mean, we, we, we don't deliver instruction. We deliver pizzas. And he's right. We got to facilitate content in ways where kids construct new knowledge, apply in ways to demonstrate thinking. So I think we start there. You know, let's chunk that, that content delivery. 
you know, let's really build in time for discourse, especially in a remote world using breakout rooms. And now Microsoft Teams just launched them. So we have all these pathways, get kids talking, you know, uh, integrate brain breaks or opportunities to move, you know, thinking about our checks for understanding. A, a great way is get kids talking in breakout rooms, then do a check for understanding using Mentimeter, Padlet, Jamboard, uh, Answer Garden. I mean, there's so many tools. Uh, and I think then, you know, really shifting that focus on moving to more high agency approaches such as blended learning, you know, whether we're using station rotation, choice boards, playlists, doesn't really matter. But transfer that ownership from instruction, what the teacher does, to learning what the kids do. But I, I think it all comes down to time management and, and really looking at that block of time and thinking about how can we break this up. Mm. In your book, Digital Leadership, you write about the seven pillars of digital leadership, which include opportunity, school environment, student learning, professional growth, branding, which is a controversial topic we talk about on the podcast often, public relations and communications. And I have a two-part question about this. Can you give us more details, obviously, about these seven pillars for our listeners who are mostly educators, teachers? Uh, but I'm wondering what role do they play in these seven pillars? Because a lot of times uh, educators will hear these terms, especially regarding public relations or branding uh, specifically, I was thinking about, and they think, well, that's an administrative uh, role, an administrative position, you know, thing to them to take care of these things where maybe it's not, maybe we, we also play a part in that. And I think that we do, but I wanted to hear your thoughts. Oh, well, well, careful when you ask me, Glenn, about my thoughts, because I can go <laughs> You know, I, I think we have to just look at what inhibits change. And that really is the most dangerous phrase in education. That's the way we've always done it. And when we think about change, the only group that likes change at scale are wet babies. That's about it. So as we think about, you know, how do we not tell people what to do? but take them where they need to be, to, to be. It really begins with looking at the work that we're already doing and thinking about how can we do what we already do better. And the pillars of digital leadership, you know, don't let, don't let the word leadership fool you. You know, leadership isn't about title, position, or power. Leadership is about action. If it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll make an excuse. And when we think about who takes the most critical and important actions? It's not those with the title. It's not the administrators. It's the teachers that are in the trenches actually doing the work with kids. So as, as we think about those, you know, let's look at our role as a, a classroom leader or, or even as an instructional leader. It doesn't really matter. When we look at number one, student outcomes, you know, we student learning, student outcomes, that's all of our responsibility. Yeah. And if we continue to do what we've always done, we'll continue to get what we've always gotten. And what we really know now that we got to use pedagogical approaches in the classroom that do two things, empower kids to think and apply their thinking in relevant, meaningful ways, both with and without technology. When we look at the learning environment, COVID-19 has put a new emphasis on the virtual learning environment. And we have to really think about how does the environment prepare kids to be competent in time management, remote collaboration, self-regulation, emotional intelligence, 
along with critical thinking, problem solving, and creativity, you know, the environment is also about equity. You know, if all kids are doing the same thing the same way at the same time, that is not equity. Equity is all kids getting what they need, when they need it, where they need it. And the key is personalization. So how do we personalize moving from the what we teach, what's in the curriculum to the who? Then we really look at our own growth. And are we owning our own professional learning, first and foremost? But as teachers, are we championing for job-embedded and ongoing needs of support that Mm. actually provide practical strategies and feedback along the way? And then we go into the other aspects, and they really are intertwined. You know, you won't find an effective teacher or administrator who's not an effective communicator. And in this remote world, we have to communicate more because that's the only way we can get our messages to our stakeholders. But you also mentioned the pain points of public relations and branding. Well, here's the honest truth. If you don't tell your story, someone else will. And when someone else tells your story, it's not the one you want told. In the animal kingdom, it's eat or be eaten. In the human kingdom, it's define or be defined. So you might think branding, PR is not your cup of tea. Well, guess what? If other people are writing about you, your kids, your classroom, and you're doing nothing about it, well, then we can't cry about it. Branding is here. It's not about tell. I mean, it's not about selling. It's about telling. And finally, we think about opportunity. You know, opportunity is not handed to us. We have to work for it. In the words of Milton Berle, when if opportunity does not knock, build a door. And how do we do that? Improve the work, share the work, and celebrate the work. Something that I think all educators can do, but that is the impetus behind the pillars of digital leadership. In my school district, we center many of our discussions around the effectiveness of feedback. And again, I read one of your recent blog posts and it had to do with feedback. Um, And you stated, providing regular feedback to learners might be the most critical key to engaging them. And we have found that though teachers are familiar with the concept of providing feedback, it may not actually be formative feedback. It may be one-time summative feedback, a end-of-unit test, uh, something that's a one-time deal where you are not giving a student an opportunity to grow. What are ways that educators can ensure that they are giving that quality feedback? Great question. And I think we first have to acknowledge that uh, formative assessment is really a pathway to give feedback. So as we think about that, that that's a common you know, uh, term in education that we, we are all used to. So we can start with that. And thinking about that when we're doing our formative assessments, giving kids feedback on how well they're progressing towards the stated learning goal. But, you know, as, as we think about how to do it effectively, you know, feedback is only valuable if it's delivered in a timely manner and it's practical and specific. Mm. We also have to think about how we deliver it in a positive way. So now, you know, we can, I think the best way to do it is using digital tools. You know, Padlet, for example, you can have threaded conversations where students, not only students, but teachers can go and comment on kids as to where they are. But when we think about that, you know, I always, when I work with teachers in my role, which is, you know, uh, I wear many hats, but in my role as a coach, 
I, I always ask teachers, well, how are you giving kids feedback? And they're like, oh, we're, we're verbalizing it to them. Well, let's be honest. How many kids actually remember that? So one way is to use feedback logs. Whereas the teacher is giving kids verbal feedback, the kids start writing it down. Then the kids reflect on it. So that's one great way to do it. Another way is to use peer-to-peer feedback, you know, using tools like Flipgrid. Kids can answer questions or, you know, work to solve problems. But then the students can, you know, begin by giving that peer-to-peer feedback. Uh, Another is to move towards more personalized approaches, such as blended learning. And whether it's station rotation, choice boards, or playlists, the whole idea is for the teacher to move away from that one-size-fits-all approach and free up time, whether it's through targeted instruction or feedback, or as kids are working on choice boards and playlists, that teacher can then pull one or two kids based on data and then really have more targeted conversations about where the learners are, but what they need to get to where they want to be. You know, when we think about all the conversations about how feedback is timely, you know, which it is. Well, let's begin with those kids that need it the most, Hmm. you know, and not quite there yet. Great job. That's not feedback. That doesn't really align to the learning target or how kids are progressing uh, with demonstrating uh, a level of competency with that learning target. So we can do it with technology. We can think about how we use time, peer-to-peer interaction, so many different ways to do it. But if it's not timely, if it doesn't prog- uh, give students information as they're progressing, how to progress towards a learning goal, then it doesn't really matter. And it's not- we all know how we feel as adults. You know, mm-hmm. if we're observed or evaluated, and then the post-conference is weeks or months later, guess what? We don't care. No. Eric, how can people connect with you online, read your blog, and be able to find uh, your books? Yeah, I'm a pretty easy person to get a hold of. You can just Google my name, Eric Scheninger, S-H-E-N-I-N-G-E-R. You'll find my website, my Amazon page. My Twitter handle is E underscore Scheninger. But like I said, I am not a hard person to get a hold of. But if you like Pinterest, check out my Pinterest boards because that's how I curate everything. And as a way... I've really spent a lot of time blogging about remote and hybrid learning. So you'll see all my pins, which go to my greatest hits. Well, they're not my greatest hits, but uh, all my latest blog posts. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at uneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. 
This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.